Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and this episode is with theater icon, Len Carew. For those who don't know who he is, get out from under the rock you're living under. This guy originated the role of Sweeney Todd in, of course, the show of the same name that came out in 1979, and it's just got on to such success and revivals and blah, blah, blah. And we get into all of how proud he is to see this show and this character that he has created just come to life in so many different versions. I mean, it was interesting because when I was preparing for this interview, I was, I was, it was weird because I was actually kind of unsure of where to start. I didn't know what to talk about because he has just done so much. Like I said, been performing for over 60 years has has done an incredible amount of work. Still on TV after currently in the tenth season of Blue Bloods, he plays uh, the patriarch on that show. It was so much fun to interview him. And at the end, of course, I do my three standard questions. The majority answer that people give me on the show is Sweeney Todd. So I was super curious to see what he was going to say, especially when I told him that fact. So you have to listen all the way to the end to get to that bit. Anyway, before we get started, as always, please visit me online at thetheaterpodcast.com. Please show your support. Patrons at a certain level get to get their questions added into the episode so I can ask the guests. You can get some cool swag, get some cool gifts. You can find me online at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Please visit me at bpn.fm slash ttp. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Len Carew. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here you go. One, two, three... With over 60 years in show business, my guest today is a three-time Tony Award nominee and Tony Award winner for the title role in Sweeney Todd and has been in an incredible amount of original casts, including a little night music. He has been working steadily his entire career in theater, film, and TV. He was on the popular television show mystery series Murder, She Wrote, which is one of my personal favorites, actually, opposite his good friend and former Sweeney Todd co-star Angela Lansbury. With an additional 85 TV and film credits, including another one of my favorites, Deep Space Nine, and 80 stage credits, he's currently starring on Blue Bloods opposite Tom Selleck, Donnie Wahlberg, and Bridget Moynihan, and can now be seen on the New York stage opposite David Lansbury in the new play Harry Townsend's Last Stand at City Center. Len Carew, I am honored to welcome you to the theater podcast. Thank you, Alan. Pleasure to be here. I appreciate this. The, 
I was just saying before we started recording that there's there is so much that we could talk about that I'm not even sure where to begin with this. But <laughs> but let me I guess let's start let's start at the beginning, which is you know we'll talk about you know young Len. You know, you've been in the business for six decades. This yeah. It's been incredible and changed so much. So where were you born? Where did you grow up? Born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Um, was a founding member of the Manitoba Theater Center, which is now the Royal Manitoba Theater Center. Um, 1959. Um, and first play that I did was Mr. Roberts. Uh, played Ensign Pulver. And when I, I didn't know the, the film or the play, and uh, I thought, what kind of a role could it be? It's an ensign for Christ's sake. <laughs> and uh, somebody said to me, schmuck, Jack Lemmon won an Academy Award playing Ensign Puller. <laughs> so I kind of perked up and I went, oh, I guess I better read it, shouldn't I? The man who was my mentor, his name was John Hirsch. He founded the Manitoba Theater Center along with Tom Hendry. He was really instrumental in my career. Uh, he started me off there and engineered my going to Stratford, Ontario, to the Shakespeare Festival the next year. And uh, I went back and forth between Stratford and, and Winnipeg at the Manitoba Theatre Centre for about eight or eight or nine years. He and I did 17 plays together. So he was really my mentor. And uh, after my first year at Stratford, I came back home and he said, uh, what was the experience like? And I said, well, I want to do the classics. I said, that's really where the challenge is for the actor. And, uh, and he said, well, you're taking the high road, but do me a favor and don't give up the musical. Because he said, not many people can do what you do. And uh, so I didn't. Well, when at one point, do you remember when when you really decided that performing was for you that you wanted to be on stage? Like, you know, where did you realize that that was your home? Right then, right then with Mr. Roberts. I said, ah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. What was it Absolutely. about it? Do you, do you remember that first feeling? Yeah, I just felt I belonged there. I thought, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. I've been wondering what I'm supposed to do, and this is it. It's got to be it. Well, how old were you at that point? Uh, 20. So 20, 20 didn't know you what you were going to do. Do you had, Did you have any idea what you would have done otherwise? I, I might have been a sportscaster. Really? Oh, yeah. A singing sportscaster? No. <laughs> My, who knows? I might have worked it in somehow. <laughs> well, when um, did you start singing, though? Cause when you, I was, it, I've sung all it, my life. Like in chorus or what? I studied as a boy soprano. Uh, with a with a teacher and and uh, and then when my voice changed, she said, "You know, you you may lose your voice. You may lose it altogether." Uh, and I thought, "Oh God, I can't do that." I've, uh, uh, so I said, "I'll just keep singing." So I just sang and sang and sang and sang and sang and sang and sang. All of it drove everybody crazy because I was afraid that if I didn't stop, if I didn't continually sing, um, I wouldn't have a voice after. And uh, so I used to go home. I, used to, I was well-known in the neighborhood because I would sing to myself as I walked home at night and uh, found out years later that there were a lot of people who used to sit out, in the summertime at least, on their porch and wait for me to come by. And never say anything, just they wanted, Len's going to be singing here. Until finally one time I, I went by and I wasn't singing and a neighbor said, Len, 
how come you're not singing? I said, oh, I didn't, uh, I, I don't know. What? And he said, you're always singing when you come home. And we sit out here and wait for you to come home. Should so have put, I, on, so, put on concerts. <laughs> so I sang. And I worked, I, I worked uh, in a quintet, in a quartet, and then finally as a soloist. And we had a, we had a, I had a, a group, piano, bass, and drums, and went into nightclub work uh, there in Winnipeg, uh, which wasn't easy to do because there were only about three or four places you could go. But so you didn't get a lot of work since the city was uh, less than a million people. So, um, but then I. The, the theater center happened, and, and when I did that first season, I then the following winter went to Stratford, Ontario, and that started then. And I just kept going back and forth between Winnipeg and, and Stratford, and then then moved to the Guthrie Theater in, in Minneapolis. Okay, so you're in Minneapolis, and then how did you make your way here to New York then? Um, I came with the Guthrie Theater and we did it. We were on tour with um, the House of Atris and Arturo Uy, which we did at the Billy Rose Theater in uh, 1968. And then I was invited to Stratford, Connecticut, um, for that following summer. And then when, when, at the fall of, of 1969, I, I auditioned for applause three or four different times, and and. Uh, and got the job finally uh, after a, a long, arduous auditioning schedule. Um, I, I auditioned uh, four times, I think, for it, and finally I got it. That was your first Tony nomination. Yeah, right. For applause, and then again, again in '73. That was 1970 for applause, and then '73 for a little night music. Night music yeah. yeah, and. Well, take me back to like, you know, 70 for applause, 73 for little night music, two Tony nominations. Um, it was Karen Olivo, uh, Karen Olivo recently who told me, I asked her, I said, you know, Tony nomination, does your life get easier or harder after that? And she's like, oh, much harder, much more complicated. And it, that was the opposite answer than what I would have thought. Because, uh, because in why, why did I think differently? No, why did she say that? Because all of a sudden she was like trying to be monetized and commercialized. And so she had to be oh. here and be there and do this and do that. I see. And it wasn't, you know, it didn't fulfill her. So getting back to you, you know, back in that time, this is, of course, long before, you know, musical theater kind of hit mainstream, if you even want to say it's on mainstream now, at least the Tonys are on our national TV mm. at this point. But there's there was no social media back then. There was no internet back then. So when you want to, or we got nominated for a Tony, uh, like, how how did things change for you at that point? Not a hell of a lot, because I went back after the nomination, uh, the first nomination, I went back uh, to the Guthrie and then came back when I did night music. Uh, I was in 73. I was playing Oedipus the King at, at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, and uh, we were in rehearsal for a little night music. And I commuted between Minneapolis and New York, for a month, and I never missed a performance in Minneapolis, and I never missed a rehearsal in New York. Oh wow, that's that is intense. <laughs> it was. It was a tiny miracle. <laughs> and okay, so a little in the dead of winter, I might add. Oh god, <laughs> yeah. I, and then you reprised your role in Little Night Music in '77 for the film version. The film, yeah. Yeah. So was was that was that your first big film role at that point? Um. It's opposite Elizabeth Taylor, by right. the way. Yeah, I guess it was. Um, 
Yeah, big role in film. Yeah, it probably was. So I imagine then film, that's mainstream. So then all of a sudden things just kind of explode from that. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think explode is really the word for me. It just was. It it was just something that introduced me to another area of of the business that uh, I think. I think the, the business went. Oh, oh, he's. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, he can do that too. Okay, good. That's nice. That's nice to know. Um, and you know, I think everybody wanted Hal Prince to make. Ingmar Bergman's film, and uh, and of course he 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 couldn't. So right, um, I don't think they were very kind to Elizabeth. Uh, they were kind of gunning for Elizabeth. Uh, they were waiting for her to fall on her face, um, and she did reasonably well. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's still one of the one of the great. You know, musical movies of yeah, I think so. ever yeah, and then so that was seventy seven, seventy nine comes Sweeney Todd. Yeah. So were you part of the the creation? I mean, obviously you originated the role, but when did you get involved? Um, were you involved from like seventy seven, seventy eight as they were workshopping it and reading it and all that? Yeah, Hal Prince called me when I was in. I, I went back to Winnipeg after uh, after night music and. Uh, to be artistic director there. And the only, the out I had in my contract was a, a Broadway show. Uh, and uh, I was there and I, I'd, I'd called Harold Prince to ask him to send me his stage manager's copy of Company because we were going to do it as the musical of the year. And uh, he said he wouldn't, and said, oh, by the way, Stephen's writing a musical for you. <laughs> and I said, by the way, he said, yeah. <laughs> he said, I'll send you the, I'll send you the, uh, the book because Hugh Wheeler has written the book and Hugh Wheeler had written Night Music mm-hmm. book. And he said, it's, it's really good. He said, uh, really good book. Um, he says, there's no music yet. He said, but it's, you know, just what is, this will give you an idea. And I read it and I thought, oh, Harold, you've lost it completely. <laughs> <laughs> This is ridiculous. And, and I was in rehearsal when I read it first over a lunch. I mean, you know, I scanned it and I thought, what is this? This is really bizarre. Um, and, and so I thought, well, I'll, I'll put it aside and I, I'll take it home with me this weekend and read it properly. And I tried to clear my head and, I, and say, okay, don't have prejudice against this thing. And I read it through again. And then I thought, well, you know, if he writes... A romantic score, you never know. And, you know, maybe it'll work. Um, they said we were, we were going to uh, to go into rehearsal at the end of, uh, of that year. And so I thought, well, okay, I can get out of my contract in Winnipeg because uh, that's, that's the deal we made. So I was only there for one year as the AD. And, uh, and then they postponed it. And we had to wait another, another year. I can imagine taking... Or reading the script without the music, yeah, it would be just kind of an odd book. It's very odd. <laughs> yeah. Very uh, odd indeed. So, okay, you get the music, you come back, you start rehearsing, and, and I guess, yeah, 79. Did, did you, once it opened, I mean, I wasn't bored until 80. <laughs> <laughs> 79 would open. Did, did you know what kind of 
critical success? I mean, what kind of success and longevity it was going to have at that time? Like, I, well, I mean, I thought it was a work. It's a work of genius. It's a really wonderful piece of uh, of theater, and I thought, well, uh, will they get it? You know, will they will they stand for it? Because it's pretty gory. I remember after the first preview, first preview we had, I came back to the dressing room after the first preview and, and Stephen Sondheim. Old Stevie. Yeah, he's about to be 90. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and old Stevie said, they understood it. They fucking understood it. And I said, yeah, they did. And he was delighted that they understood it. Um, but, you know, we had a lot of problems with the, with the set at, in, the, in the preview period. Uh, it, it kept, it, it was made wrong. It was made out of steel instead of aluminum. And uh, it, it was a really a, a bear to move because the cast was the people that were moving it, not the stagehands. Uh, but anyway, it, it, they had, it had been badly designed to begin with. And then they corrected that and we finally... Did, the, did they have to rebuild the set? Yeah. Wow, during previews. Yeah. That's not an easy thing to do. No. Uh, the pie shop, you know, because yeah. it moved around. Yeah. Yeah, so... It, there was no hydraulics then. No. Um, yeah. Well, there were, because I came up... My first entrance was in an elevator. Was it hydraulic? Had, yeah. From, oh. Yeah. All right. Um, Coming out of the grave. Yes. That's right. Okay, so now that I've asked you all your Sweeney Todd questions, do you get tired of being asked Sweeney Todd questions? No, not really. No. Is it still like it, you know, one of those things that you look back on fondly? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. God, I, I can imagine. You know, I think like you know, Lynn, Lynn Manuel has always asked questions about Hamilton, mm -hmm. and, you know, and he's like, oh, damn, that old thing again. Like, <laughs> I'm doing new stuff now. Yeah. But, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go tick, tick, boom. You're in it? Yeah. Whoa, I did not know that. Well, maybe we shouldn't be telling that. Oh, can we say that? No, man. <laughs> I looked at his publicist. Yeah, we're okay. We're okay. Okay. Yay, you heard it here first. That'll be in Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> um, so then with Angela Lansbury, obviously you, you co-started with her in, in uh, Sweeney Todd, and mm -hmm. then she went on to do Murder, She Wrote, and then you had a great role in Murder, Murder She Wrote. wrote. Yes, yeah, 85 to 92. So seven years... You were working. You were working with her again on TV. Yep. Like I remember, I I watched that my reruns of that for for a long oh, yeah, time sure. when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And I spoke to her last night because I called her after her, her nephew David Lansbury had his first preview last night of Harry Townsend's Last Stand, uh, and I called her to tell her how well he had done. Uh, he was really really fine. And I think uh, was very well received by that audience. Um, my wife, who has seen the play for the seventh seventh time last night, said it's a it's a very different play with him in it, uh, and she was really moved, deeply moved by by what happened on um, the stage. Well, yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about that for a little bit. Harry Townsend's Last Stand, right now playing at uh, at City Center. And stage two city center. Stage two city center, yeah. And so um, 
David just he just went in like he said last like, night. Yeah, last night was the first performance. So we're, we're recording this on Tuesday the tenth. Yeah. yeah, today's the tenth. Yeah, so went in last night. Obviously, uh, if you're if you're really acting, you're listening, you're reacting. But how much you know? You've got this set, and and so a new actor, new co-star, and it's just the two of you on stage. So how much of how much of your performance did this change? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, not a lot because I I'm I'm the driver of, of the piece for sure. So my. Uh, I pretty much lead the way all the way until, you know, the denouement in, in the piece. Um, and so I think uh, I can't calculate it, the answer to that yet. Uh, we've, we had uh, about 10 hours of rehearsal, he and I. Um, so he really did a, a stand-up job for that little rehearsal. He had been rehearsing with, with other people before that, but uh, he, only, he and I only had about 10 hours together. Well, for those, for those who don't know, and I want to get back, I want to get back to that because obviously it's, you know, and I didn't know he was related to Angela Lansbury. I thought it was just same last name, so that's no. awesome. But, um, so for those who don't know what the play is or what it's about, what's the elevator pitch? Uh, it's a father-son play. Uh, the son has come to his father's home, which was their summer home uh, in Vermont. And he and, and his wife, who is now gone, uh, lived there during the summer, every spring from the spring till the fall. Uh, and, uh, and they built it 35 years ago. And he, of course, they, they want him to move into a home because his wife is gone. And his son, Alan, has a twin sister named Sarah who has been only taking after, taking, taking care of me and has now gotten to the point where it's every day and, and she's married and, and you know, it's, she can't take it anymore and asks her brother to come and, you know, we've got to get him in a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he knows that that's in the works. They've talked about it many times. But uh, all of a sudden, he says, I'm coming home. I'm coming up for the weekend. Uh, and I'll see you. And Sarah, Sarah's going to New York with her husband uh, for a weekend. And I'm going to come up and visit. Um, and so they're after, uh, and dad is, knows what buttons to push. Uh, as, as dads with, do. With, with Alan. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he was, he was in the radio, he was in this business. He was a radio announcer. Um, back in the, you know, in his, back in the day, kind of a good guy, radio guy, you know, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a, had a moniker as the voice of the valley, meaning the Hudson Valley. Uh, so it, pl- it takes place in, you know, in Vermont, but he is, Harry is from, from New York, from Flushing, as we find out. <laughs> and it's, it's a comedy yeah. with, with a real message underneath, I guess. You know, and, and the, one of the taglines of the show is sometimes it's harder to like someone than it is to love them. Yeah. Which, you know, speaking about my family, I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. But you you hadn't been on stage in like an eight-time-a-week sort of thing uh, in about eight or nine years, right? Yeah. Yeah, since Brig- right. Brigadoon, I think, in, in 2000, two, 2011. Uh, or 2010, I think. And so why, I mean, that's a lot of years between now and then. Like, did you miss it? Why, why come back? I did I'm, miss it. I mean, I, were you retired? Would you call yourself No, retired? never have tried. Why would I retire? Yeah, well, that was my question. It's too much fun. <laughs> I mean, you've done a little bit, but why? Why? how did you get connected to this? Why did you come back to this particular play? Uh, the, the producer, Dennis Grimaldi, brought it, brought it to me. Uh, I've known him for over 50 years. I did a production of uh, Othello with James Earl Jones uh, 50 years ago at the Goodman Theater School in, in Chicago. And Dennis Grimaldi was in that play uh, as, a, as a, an actor and was going to the school then. Uh, and uh, we happened to have the same birthday. Uh, you and Dennis or you and James? Me and Dennis. Oh, okay, okay. We happened to have the same birthday. Uh, and he just, you know, I thought... He was he was a dancer and 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 then I think injured himself badly and and had to get out of the out of the dancing world and and became a producer and he's uh, I guess he's always been looking for me he, he, I think he saw this play in Los Angeles about five years ago or in one in his in his first iteration and. Uh, Somebody said, you should go and see this play. I think you'd be interested in it. It's really quite a good play. And, and he did and, and, and met the, the playwright, George Eastman, and they became pretty good friends. And then Dennis said, I would like to, you know, produce this. Uh, and I think that was maybe four or five years ago. And we did some... some uh, Readings of it for backers auditions. I did, I think, four four different ones with uh, with another actor by the name of Warren Bubb, um, who is who is uh, David's understudy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think he raised the money. But then there were no theaters available, so that way that that was another year gone away. But I was by this point, I was doing, uh, I've been doing. Blue Bloods for the last 10 years. So, you know, I was, uh, it wasn't a matter of, I need a job. Um, and I just thought, uh, when, uh, when the time comes, um, because Blue Bloods only films Monday through Friday, uh, I can probably, because of 
the nature of my my role in Blue Bloods, I can probably do some theater. Um, and it first started back in season two or three that I I hadn't I hadn't sung in a long time either. So I decided that I wanted to do a cabaret. So I did and went to Fifty Four Below and 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 did a cabaret then and started singing more. And then I. Uh, in 19, uh, in, in 16, 2016, uh, I, I put together a thing that I'd been wanting to do forever since, since, since applause, really. Uh, an evening of Shakespeare and song, which I call Broadway in the Bar. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did it in uh, January of 2016 at, uh, at the uh, Theater Row uh, for about six weeks. Uh, and it was great fun to create and to uh, and to do. And I just did a tour of it this summer uh, in Canada and the and the U.S. Uh, and I'm hopefully uh, I would like to do it again here in New York. The the eight show a week schedule still with a Monday through Friday filming schedule for Blue Bloods mm. seems like a lot for anybody to maintain. Uh, <laughs> well. I, the only thing is, I went to them and I said, look, uh, we're going to do a Thursday matinee. Uh, so you can work me any of those other days uh, than Thursday. Just, And they said, we'll try our best. And they have. I did work one Thursday. No, two Thursdays I've worked. Uh, but... Usually it's the dinner scene that we make, mm -hmm. and it's usually the first thing that, that that they make on the schedule. So you you're there, you know, early in the day, and I'm usually finished by lunch, uh, by midday, twelve, one o'clock. But then you have go. two shows to go do. Well, not on Thursday. Oh, Thursday, on, not on on any other day other than Thursday. Right. Right. It's I don't know. It's still it's an energy thing that I don't think I have. Uh, so. More power to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, in in 2004, you were inducted into the Theater Hall of Fame, right? That mm -hmm. is an honor. That's incredible. When you found out that was happening, what was what was going on? What was happening in your head? First of all, I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> uh, and I thought, I really didn't know about it. I had never even heard of it. Um, but, you know, they sent me all the stuff and I went, oh, well, that's really nice. The criteria is, I think at that time, you had to have been in five things on Broadway uh, to be eligible. Uh, and, and I'd had, you know, three nominations. So I was kind of, I was up there. For, mm -hmm. And that's, I think, why they uh, offered me the job. In 2004, you also starred in the film Secret Window opposite Johnny Depp, who would then right. go on to play Sweeney Todd in the yeah. film adaptation of Sweeney Todd. What do you? Oh, what's my question? My question is whether or not, like, seeing all of these other people now put their own spin on mm -hmm. your character. This is always going to be your character. Yep. Like, does it? Do you like it? Are you some? Do you see some people's adaptations, and you're like, I never want to see that again. Or, yeah. you know, you see Johnny Depp's, you're like, Oh yeah, that, I should have done it that way. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, nope. I, I I just think you know Burton's uh, Tim Burton directed it, and and uh, without humor, and I thought it was kind of silly in, in that way. 
Um, but when we were doing Secret Window, Johnny said, I'm listening to you all the time. <laughs> In his Johnny way. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah he's, a, he's an odd one, too. He's kind of a good one to play, to play swimming <laughs> in general. But right. All right, and then this year, you were also just inducted into the Order of Canada, yeah. which, which is similar to being knighted in the UK. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so is that, is that the biggest, like, one of, of all the honors, of all the awards you've gotten in your life, like, how much does that mean? It means a hell of a lot. Um, I'm about to go in at the end of April uh, to get to, to the investiture in which you get your, I, I, have, the, I have the pin. Uh, I was given it last December uh, to wear. And uh, uh, I'm also a member of the Order of Manitoba, which, where I grew up. So I've got, I can put those initials behind my name now carry you OCOM it's very flattering let me put it that way uh, it's it's a it's a, a lovely honor to get from your country um, especially you know when I the irony is of course that I've I've spent I've always been stayed connected to, to Canada uh, going there and working in, in Winnipeg and and in Toronto and in Vancouver uh, and Edmonton, and uh, I just, I, I, I didn't really think of it ever happening. But my wife and my daughter engineered it finally. And uh, it took them about four years or five years to decide to, to include me, but uh, it finally happened. Well, congratulations. It is a, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. So, yeah, you're definitely leaving many forms of legacy mm-hmm. uh, everywhere you go. Um, going back to to the you know Blue Bloods, your TV and film and whatnot, like I said at the beginning, what is it, 84, 85 TV and film credits. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, Deep Space Nine, I just love that show. Um, how many projects are you typically involved with at any given time at this point? Um, I'm working on a film uh, of a play that I've adapted. I've had adapted uh, to a film uh, that, that was written by Steve Belber here in New York, and it was done about five or six, maybe even longer ago than that, uh, off-Broadway down in the village. Um, it's called Don't Go Gentle. And uh, I'm hoping to make that in the next year. Um, my uh, my assistant, who's a, a woman by the name of Kyle Beachy, has also done the the adaptation of the screen of the of the of the play into the screenplay, and um, we're uh, it's looking like it's going to become a reality in the next year. So that's in the works, uh, and then I'm hoping that I'm hoping too that uh, that Blue Bloods continues. This is coming up in season 10, right? No, on season, this is season 10. Or yeah, season, in the middle of season 10. Yeah. And it's still going strong. Yeah, it is. It's, it's still doing big numbers. And, and so I have a feeling that, mind you, there's a writer's strike coming up on the 1st of May. And then sag After is going to go out in, in June. Um, so. And there's coronavirus everywhere. I, yeah, right. And that's really sad <laughs> because, you know, I mean, uh, they may have to shut down the theaters yeah, uh, because of this coronavirus. Um, 
So I don't know. It's it's too bad. Uh, the timing couldn't have been worse, as far as we're concerned. But we're still there. We're still there, and it's uh, it's very much worth seeing. It's it's really a, a provocative piece, and people love it. Yeah, and they laugh their asses off. Yeah, the clip. and they and they cry their guts out. <laughs> and uh, as I said last night. Uh, it was the seventh time my wife Heather saw it, and she came back stage, and she was destroyed. She was, she said, it's it's quite a different play than than when you and and Craig did it. Uh, she said, I I don't quite know how to put my finger on it, but it it moved me more than 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 it ever has. Hmm. So I think we're on to something there, and it would be a, a shame if we had to close the place down just. As uh, as David is kind of getting the thing under its wheels. Yeah, you are credited from like seventy two to eighty five with a couple of director credits, and it looks like you look like you were dabbling in directing mm. and and didn't didn't like it. Just oh, didn't, no, I do like it. Do you, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's great. So I haven't done anything like. There's no credit on Wikipedia at least since like nineteen eighty five. Uh, do you, is that something you want to get back into now? I would accept. I'm having too much fun doing the other stuff. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a director's job is, uh, is a tough job. Uh, you got to know, you got to know everybody's part. You got to realize everybody's part, not just your own. Uh, so if, you know, if you get the phone call, if I've had examples, we get the phone call. Uh, can you come and direct King Lear? Uh, we've lost our director and, we need you here on Monday, and they're calling you on Friday. And go, are you out of your mind? <laughs> uh, but if they say, do you want to come and play King Lear? I say, yeah, I'll be there. Sure, I'll be there. Right. Because that's all I have to do. I mean, the fact is that I've played it a couple of times, but I mean, that's 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 just an example. Uh, as a, as an actor, you can go in and 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 take it on, and and you only have to worry about your your own role, not mm-hmm. you know, not everybody else's. Directors are responsible for all. They have to be, yeah. They're project managers of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so now you you're an 80 year old man. Now what what do you do to maintain your energy to maintain your strength? I I work out with uh, with a, a trainer, uh, a kinesiologist by the name of uh, Jeff Young, uh, and we've been working together for the last eight or nine years. Uh, I see him at least once a week sometimes two, two times a week. And, you know, I can, I can also get on a bike and, and get on a treadmill and, and, you know, keep that stuff going that way. Uh, we have a gym in our, in our building where I live, so... Uh, you stay active. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. You got to, you know. It's, uh, uh, and as, the, you know, as, you, as age creeps up on you, you start to slow down, you know. So you got to be active. Right. All right. So, um, looking back on on all the time you spent on stage, all the people you've worked with. I mean, you like just casually throwing out James Earl Jones, like you know, <laughs> just fun to hear like name after name. Do you have Do you have a standout moment? Is there like one time in your life that you look back on? And you're like, that was super great. I mean, I know you live in the moment. You're always lurking now, mm-hmm. but do you, do you look back and you have moments that always stand out as being really special? Yeah, uh, when I did Lear, um, 
when we did uh, The House of Atreus, uh, when I did Oedipus King at the Guthrie, uh, all those three were at the Guthrie, first time anyway. Um, and Sweeney, of course, uh, Night Music was a genius piece of work too. Mm. Uh, and applause was too. I had a great time doing that because it's the first one that I had created on my own, you know, mm -hmm. for the first time, uh, and, and got a nomination along with it. So it was uh, it was special. Um, those things are are kind of indelible in your memory, you know. Yeah, absolutely. There are three standard questions that I ask everybody to wrap up every podcast, and the first one is just very simply, what motivates you? Drugs. <laughs> Over the counter or recreational? <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Um, second one, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Well, I, I think, I think you got to be awfully sure it's what you want to do. It's got to be burning in, the, in your belly. Um, and I pretty much think that's what I've said to young people starting out. Um, because when I, when I did it, when I did Mr. Roberts, I went, oh, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, so I've got to go about finding out how to do it because I had never seen a play. Um, I'd been in, uh, uh, I played Ray Fraxtra in high school and that's about all I'd ever done. And, uh, and then I went, I, I, I had a, we had a summer, outdoor summer theater in, in Winnipeg called the uh, Rainbow Stage, which was in, in a park, uh, in Kildonan Park. And uh, that's where I first met John Hirsch. Um, and thank God for him. He went, oh, this kid's got something. And he just said, come with me. Uh, and those, that, that, that's something that I, that I will never forget. Yeah, for sure. All right. So the last question, this is, this is the one that before you answer, I want to give you some context. But the question is, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what show would you see? Now, before you answer, the majority, the vast majority of people, and I've released 78 episodes now at the time I'm recording this, the vast majority have told me they would see Sweeney Todd over and over and really? over again for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So with that context, what's your answer? Well, um, I think uh, that's a really tough question, quite frankly. So I ask it. Yeah, I guess. Um, I can't think of one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> totally fine. Some people throw out like four or five. Some people can't do any. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Are you you're not, are you on social media anywhere? Do you do any of that? No. Any of that game? All right. So everyone, please go see Harry Townsend's Last Stand at City Center Stage 2. You can find me online at thetheaterpodcast.com. Support the podcast via thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can get me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review wherever you are listening. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thanks to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Len Carew, thank you so much for being here. This has been an honor. 
Thank you, Alan, very much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.